of the Holy Spirit and how they are to operate and what it looks like in the church. And uh, some people will find this a little bit uncomfortable or challenging. Some people will think, mm, I'm not really sure, but that's okay. We can do stuff that we're not really sure about. The problem is that we treat the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit as three different people separate from each other they're totally separate from me from each other but as we see in john 14 the father the son and the holy spirit are really one essence they are one one in who they are one in the fact that they are all god it's one god with three persons in that one godhead in verse 11 we see uh i think i put it up here this is working is it this is not working. Hello. Is this a new one? Hey, it's Dave. You're a good lad. Next one, please. Oh, the, hang on. I think I've missed it out. So, let me read them to you. In John 14, in verse 11, it says, Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. When Jesus is saying, believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, there is a joint union of the two. There, and he doesn't forget the Holy Spirit. He can, goes on with that in a minute and we'll show you. But the Father and the Son are of one essence. They are together. They are not separated in any way whatsoever and they can never be separated in any way. For the Father is in the Son, and the Son is in the Father. In verse 16, it says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Now, when we read that word another, we can use two Greek words in that space. I'll give you a little quick Greek lesson. It's pretty easy. You can use the word hetero or the word alice. The word hetero and we use here that word heterosexual, and that, that, that's the context that's used. Hetero means another which is opposite, is opposite to that person. So if Jesus was to use the word, I'm sending you an, another, a hetero, that he would be saying this, this person would be totally opposite to me. But he uses the word alus, or the root word alus, which means the same. I am sending the same one to you, the same as me, exactly the same. And it's careful use of the word so that it gives us the meaning that the Holy Spirit is also the same as the Son. As the Son is in the Father and the Father is in the Son, so the Holy Spirit is one with them. He is that another. And then finally in verse 28, when Jesus says that, and this is, this is really stuff on the, on the Trinity. We're not here to teach on the Trinity today, but I thought that was, it, this was good illustration stuff and it's quite good to see it. In verse 28 of that same chapter, he said, you heard me say, I am going away am I, and I am coming back to you. That refers, obviously, to uh, verses 1 to, to 6. Uh, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, in my Father's house and many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. 
You might think that's the context of it, but the immediate context of it is that he was talking about the Holy Spirit coming and he said, I am coming to you. How am I coming to you? By the Holy Spirit. We know that Jesus has a body and he's been uh, transfigured or ascended to heaven and now he sits at the right hand of the throne of God in the body. So we don't see Jesus in the body, but Jesus comes to us in his spirit. The, the Holy Spirit is God's agent on the earth. That's who he is. It's a little bit of theology and a little bit of um, Bible interpretation for you. I hope you're all excited about that. And when he says, I am going to send this other one, it's not another thing. It's not a thing he's sending to us. He is sending another one. He is sending this he. The Holy Spirit is a he. I think with the use of the King James Version where the translation is Holy Ghost, uh, that has led us to refer, particularly that reference has led us to refer to the Holy Spirit as an it. Because you don't refer to a, a ghost as a he, you refer to a ghost as an it, don't you? It's interesting, some of the words that use for the Holy Spirit, and he says, I'm going to send you this advocate. In some translations, it's called a comforter. To me, that sounds more like a quilt <laughs> or a thing you stick in a baby's mouth. Send you the comforter. Oh. The word, the word comes in the Greek from a word called paraclete or parakletos, and the word para is the coming alongside of one. The, the kletos one is talking like, like an eag, eag, a legal advocate. Like, so he is the legal advocate, the one who stands beside us and walks beside us every day of our lives. So he's more than just a quilt or a dummy. He is uh, God himself. Now, as we said, saw before when Dave put those... Pete, could you... This one's not working, buddy. This is not... Oh, it is. It is now. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. So I heard this saying, all merit is in the Son, all power is in the Spirit. We know this truth, that all merit is in the Son. But if we push this, or if we sometimes don't know this truth properly, we turn into legalists and we think by our own actions that all merit is in our actions, all merit is in ourselves. And so we can fall into legalism by saying, I am going to do, therefore I will be approved of God. I speak to so many people and I ask them about, their, about faith, uh, are they a Christian? I'm a good person, God will let me into heaven because I'm a good person. And so merit becomes a part of them. We want the merit of our own, don't we? we? I get to heaven because of such and such, because of all that I have done. Have you heard people say that before? And we think that because we can do it of ourselves, we feel proud and we feel sufficient and self-sufficient, and then we have no need of God anyway. But if all merit is in Christ... We know that if we fail, we try harder, we try harder, we try harder, we try to do more good stuff than bad stuff, to outweigh the bad stuff. We do it in school. 
school is based on that. And I remember when I went to Asbury State School, we would do, that's where Greg um, teaches, it was far before Greg's time, um, uh, we'd do spellathons. Remember the spellathons and, and the times tables and uh, the spellathons you'd do a hundred words and if you, if the more you got, the better you are. And you're driven to do better and better and better and better because you'll be seen to be better than everybody else. And I loved it when I could get a hundred out of a hundred for the spellathon because at least I felt uh, a bit accepted, at least in myself, rather than being devalued. So many are devalued because they, they don't do so well. And so when you're taught that, if you fail an exam, you're stuffed, you know, you're, you're no good. But we know that salvation is by God's grace, isn't it? We know that it is a gift of God. It is something we, we it's not something that we earn because we'll never be good enough. If it is by merit, it's pay. If it's by grace, it's a gift. And the only time it's a gift is when it's received. So we, instead of us understanding or thinking that it's in our merit that we are saved, we know that all merit is in the Son because we are accepted by God only by the righteousness of Christ, not by our own. We're only accepted by God because of what he has done and who he is, not by who we are or what we've done. We're accepted by Christ because his righteousness, or by God, because his righteousness is imputed to us when we accept him and have faith. My dirty rags of sin have been given over to him and he's given me a perfect robe of righteousness. My human brain doesn't gather that very well because I want to try and earn it. But he says, I've earned it for you. Give me your rags of sin and I will give you a robe of righteousness. You know, you're not more saved one day if you read four chapters of the Bible instead of three verses. You're not less saved one day if you yell at your husband or your wife when you shouldn't. Now, don't get an idea that you can yell at your husband or your wife because you're not going to be any less saved. But it's not according to our, our deeds that we stand with God. If you think your right standing with God is dependent upon your behaviour, then you're continually, continually looking at yourself. You're not looking at him. He is our righteousness. Jesus is our salvation. Our standing with God remains the same forever, no matter what happens in our life. Now, that doesn't give us licence to do what we want. Paul says that anyone who thinks like that twists the scripture to their own destruction. Anyone who is truly in relationship with him will not want to go back to the things that nailed Jesus to the cross in the first place. Will they? That's what it means to be born again. That the Holy Spirit comes and takes us back to step one and he grows us again and he grows us into the places of righteousness. It's a belief in the heart that culminates with the Spirit coming to live within us. And God says, I'm not going to leave you powerless. 
I'm going. Jesus is going, but I'm not going to leave you powerless. I'm not going to leave you to your own devices. I'm not going to leave you in the place where you have to earn it by yourself. I'm not going to leave you in the place so that the world will have its effect on you and will crush you and will destroy you. I'm not going to leave you in that place. I'm going to send this other guy. This other guy who will be in you so that you don't have to be who you used to be. So that you will be the new creation that I, have made you, uh, I am making you to be. Therefore, if anyone in, is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away and behold, new things have come. Why? Because the other guy comes to live within us. You'll be who I want you to be, not what you used to be. And Jesus promises, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you alone. And in then Acts, hang on. There. Thanks, Pete. On one occasion while he was eating with them, and, we, and Jeanette read it, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. John immersed you in water, but I'm going to immerse you in God. Who wants to be immersed in God? Me. Then they gathered around and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The mission of Jesus came to its end. The mission of Jesus on this earth he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The Father sent the Son. He did his part. And then the Son sends the Spirit. He sends the Spirit to his people so that they will be empowered. And this Holy Spirit, he is not a force. He is not an it. He is not an energy. He is a person. He is the third person, the other guy in the Godhead. Remember, that Holy Ghost thing, I think, has led us to think that he is an it. He's not an it. I get frustrated when people call the Holy Spirit an it. He's a he. And so if he's a he, then he is a person. And if he is a person, I can have a personal relationship with him. We get scared about this Holy Spirit stuff when people start to think, talk about it, don't we, sometimes? Because we see weird have you seen weird in the Holy Spirit? Have you seen weird in churches or heard about weird? Yeah. I was in the Pentecostal church. I've seen lots of weird. Not, nothing wrong with Pentecostal church. Let's, don't get me wrong. They're our brothers and sisters. We've got the same dad. But I've seen weird and sometimes when I see weird, I get scared of that and I go, mm-mm, uh-uh, not doing that. You know, when you have a relationship with a person, particularly your husband or wife, sometimes it can be weird <laughs> for both. But there is a place where you start... Careful. <laughs> Thanks, Harold. I hear that. Um, there's a place that we learn to be with each other and we learn to complement one another 
And I think that the relationships we have on earth, particularly as Christians, are, are at least imperfectly reflections of the relationship that God has with himself. And when we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, it becomes a complementary relationship. And we get scared of excesses. We ought not to be scared of excesses because we're not scared of the Holy Spirit. We're not scared of who he is. Not scared of his personality. Not scared of the fact that he is God and he loves us and he wants the best for us. And yes, sometimes he challenges us and rattles our cage and, and sometimes rips the rug out from underneath our feet. Yeah, and we feel a little bit uncomfortable, but that's the way that he wants to stretch us and deepen our relationship with one another. He's not about making stuff weird so it freaks us out. He's about deepening us. He's about giving into us. He's about empowering us for his own glory so that it, we would point to Jesus. That's who he is. The Spirit was given to us or is given to us for many different reasons. And uh, I've got a few examples that I'll just sit there whilst I chat. So the Spirit was given to us that we might be born again, and we talked about that, so that we might have his power to live, to live in the ways that he wants us to live, not in the ways we used to be, that, but in the ways that he is making us to be, so that our lives will glorify Christ in every step, so that we might have his, uh, so that we could identify with God as Abba, Father, so that we could be restored in relationship to our heavenly Father where it was broken through sin, so he brings us, empowers us to be able to form that relationship and, and deepen that relationship with our Father so that we understand that we are children of God, that we know in our hearts that we are a child of God. Do you know that you are a child of God? Does someone here don't know that they're a child of God? If you do know that you're a child of God, it's by the Spirit who, who identifies with your spirit who you are and identifies your, personality or your, your identity. It's by the Holy Spirit that that happens. The Holy Spirit is given so that we don't remain as we were. He doesn't leave us powerless in the habits of our lives, the habits that are against him. But the Holy Spirit empowers us to live a life that is reflective of God, our Father, reflective of how he has made this change in our, our lives and reflective of the, our relationship with him. So when we talk about our church being a lighthouse upon our, a hill, you know what goes with lighthouses? Beacons. There are beacons and I'm looking at all the beacons. There's a, an old hymn. And uh, it talks about whenever you bring a ship into a harbour, there are beacons or buoys with lights on them to, to bring them into the safe harbour, and they're called the lower lights, aren't they? When I was a customs officer and we'd come on ships and, and coming into port, you'd always find that there were these beacons that would point you to the, to the harbour where you need to go, and it would keep you on track in the channel to, to be able to get into that place where you need to be in the safe Anchorage. That, and did you remember that old hymn, Let the lower lights be burning? Do you know that one? Send the griddle gleam across the wave. Some poor fainting, struggling seaman 
You may rescue, you may save. We are the beacons because he is the light. And we are the reflectors of the light and the Holy Spirit comes so that we would reflect the light. God has sent his spirit because he knows what we need. We need his power or we're going to be pushed around like a bunch of weak children. The world is going to push us from here to there. Our flesh will push us from here to there. The enemy, the devil will push us from here to there. But the Holy Spirit has come to empower us so that we won't be pushed around. We won't become the doormat. But we will stand in truth and know in confidence who Jesus is and we will not back down because we have the empowering Holy Spirit that dwells within us. Hello. Yep, okay. And as a person, he is, has feelings, you know. He can be hurt. He can be grieved. He can be sad. He can be rejected. He can be, yeah, he can be made sad. When our behaviour patterns turn out to be against what God wants in our lives, don't you often find that you lose peace? Have you ever found that? When you do things in your life, you get a little bit into a bit of a habit what you shouldn't do, and you seem to lose a bit of peace. It seems like God is, is separated himself from you. Well, it is because the Holy Spirit's sad. You're doing stuff in your life that makes him sad. You're doing stuff in your life that grieves him. When we have that little bit of gossip, when, when we know we shouldn't and we can't help ourselves, he is sad. And we get that prick of conscience or that little voice that says, what are you doing? Oh, don't worry about that. Let's get on with the gossip. And we, we fall into these bad habits. It may not bother you, but it makes him sad. How come I feel, don't feel as close as, to God as I used to? How come I don't feel like reading my Bible? How come my Bible seems like a closed book to me? Because the Holy Spirit is grieved in your life. He's sad. Everything that happens now that God is associated with in anybody's life here, for example, when you feel like praying, when, when Mike feels like praying, it's the Spirit of God in him. When Leon wants to go and read his Bible, has a yearning to read his Bible, it's the Holy Spirit yearning him on, uh, pushing him on. That's the Holy Spirit inside of him. In and of ourselves, we don't want to do that. But it's the Holy Spirit who, who says, go and pray, be with me. You know, when those times that all you want to do is pray and, and uh, you dwell in that presence and you love God and you're saying, oh God, how good are you? And you're praising him and walking the journey and thank, being thanks, like First Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing and everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. That's the Holy Spirit doing it within you. That's him. He's alive and active. He's a person. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to talk to you and he does talk to you and he wants you to talk to him. And he wants to guide you and direct you and push you into all truth. He wants to glorify himself in you. He wants to glorify Jesus in you. He wants Jesus to be a, a highlight of your life. That's who he is in us every day. And you know, he speaks with you every day. It's just sometimes we take it for granted. You know, when you have a relationship with, uh, with your spouse, and I know with Barb and I, we've been married for 32 years, and, or this coming August, and um, sometimes you look at your wife and she looks at you guys and vice versa with the girls, and you say, 
Well, you thinking what I'm thinking, be one. <laughs> and there's that sense in which you join together so much that you have a similar thought at the same time. Has that happened to you, married couples? Of course it does. You'll learn, Kai, you'll learn about that one day. <laughs> look forward to it, it's fun. <laughs> you look at it if you don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and if it is that we have a relationship with God, the Holy Spirit, and He is a person and He speaks with us, there are times that He speaks with you that you don't even realise. When you see a person or a group of people and you think, what the heck are they doing that for? Isn't that stupid? You've just discerned something in that person's life because the Holy Spirit has made you aware of it. And sometimes we just take it for granted, don't we? But he's always speaking, speaking through his words, speaking into our hearts, speaking through other people. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us all the time. We've just got to attune our ear, open our eye and see where it is that he's leading. Isn't that a lovely rain? I hope that's a reinforcement of the truth. God, oh, yeah. When we say that Jesus does something or we sense his presence, he does that through the Holy Spirit, who's also called the Spirit of Christ. When he comes, Jesus says, he'll take the things of me and make it real to you. He'll do things I couldn't do because I could only be with you, but he's going to be in you. Peter, I was with you for three and a half years and yet you still denied me. But when he comes, he's going to make you into an entirely new creation. God promised in the Old Testament in Ezekiel 36 verse 26, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. He prophesies. This spirit transcends any life found on earth. This life and power from the Holy Spirit that Jesus promises trans anything, transcends anything human, anything. We need this power from God, don't we? We need this power from God to understand God's purpose in our lives, to understand God's word and how it's made real to our heart. When, when Paul says in 1 uh, Corinthians, next one, Pete, my message and my preaching were not wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. He didn't come like an eloquent speaker that was paid $10,000 a pop for every speaking thing. And I know speakers, they charge that amount of money. You're lucky that I'm not that good a speaker. Um, but there are, he wasn't one that came with, and people saying, oh boy, isn't he a great speaker? Oh, we love what he said. No, it was the Spirit's power who came upon him and worked through him and touched people's lives and not just through his words, but in demonstration. Demonstration of miracles and supernatural things that happened through them. He, here's the apostle, the preacher, who says, do you think that I come with wisdom and eloquence? No, I don't. God determined that I would not come as that fine speaker with persuasive words, but that he might demonstrate his power. And how does that look? What does it look like? As he spoke, the Spirit took his words and penetrated people's hearts.
there was an old preacher back in the Great Awakening in, in America called uh, Jonathan Edwards. And Jonathan Edwards, he was a monotone, short-sighted speaker. And so he would have to read up here and he would just... He would read his sermon in a monotone voice and that's all you'd hear and, it, and people would flock to, the, to come to Christ. Why? Because it was a demonstration of God's power. There was another guy called Charles Finney and I read stories about him walking into uh, auditoriums and he w- the power of the Holy Spirit was so much about him that he would walk down the aisle and people would just fall on their knees repenting. Because of Charles Finney? No, because of the presence of God was about him, because of the demonstration of the power of God about him. So it's not with eloquent, eloquent words. You see, the church was supposed to be run by the, the power of the Holy Spirit, not by talent, not as a production, not by the most beautiful people with the most beautiful clothes, although that's okay. He said, you will receive power, and when that power rests on my people, they will do my work. They will be my witnesses. They will make disciples. They will walk in the gifts of the Holy Spirit who, who gives it to them. They will build each other up as believers, not based on their qualifications, not based on their looks, not based on their talent, not based on that. It's because the Holy Spirit dwelling within, and he will draw people to Christ through you. Because he will reflect his light in you and through you and he will reflect his glory and he will point to Christ through you. It's not by our talent, it's not by our qualifications, although they're okay things to have. They're really important things to have. Without the Holy Spirit, the church is a club and the church will become a production, not an empowering. A display of human power, of rhetoric and talent, that's all it would be. Jesus will build his church with poor and lowly and simple things because the poor and the poorer and the more lowly you are, God's spirit will use you because you won't put your confidence in yourself. You'll put your confidence in him. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Peter, the unskilled worker, the fisherman, who three months earlier denies Jesus, preaches his first sermon in Acts and after one sermon 3,000 souls come to know Christ 3,000 in one sermon no wonder in the western church if it's the other way around 3,000 sermons in one soul I don't know but is it lacking the power of the Holy Spirit have we that have we given our uh, allegiance and our confidence in the materialistic stuff that we live in do we give our uh, allegiance and confidence in the power of the Holy Spirit to do things through us that will be miraculous things that will see people come to know Christ in miraculous ways And look out for it. We're supposed to be doing the things that no one else can do because we have the spirit within us. I heard a story years ago, and I'm nearly finished. I heard a story years ago about an old cruise ship. or It wasn't an old cruise ship, but it was an old story about a cruise ship coming across the Atlantic. And, and they were having this talent competition. And uh, there was an opera singer on board, so they said to the opera singer, would you uh, come and sing us a song? So the opera singer said, oh, yes, of course, I'll come and sing you a song. Because in that person's mind, they were likely to win the talent competition. There was this old preacher on board, and they said to him, would you come and sing us a song? 
He was the sort of preacher that would sing uh, the benediction so that it would clear the church. He was that sort of singer. But reluctantly, he sensed God say to him, go and sing the song. So he said, yes, I'll come and sing a song. Little did they know, both of them chose the same song. Both of them chose Crimmond or the 23rd Psalm. You know that Crimmond? The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want... Okay, you're right, okay. So, um, the opera singer got up, and it was just perfect. It was just absolutely note perfect. It was brilliant. It was the runs, and it was, uh, it was beautiful. Just absolutely fantastic. Everybody applauded. Yay! The preacher got up, and he started, and people started to cry. Not because of his singing. Not because of his singing. They started to cry because the Spirit of God fell on them and touched their hearts. And the commentator came on and he said, we've heard the same song in two different ways. And he pointed to the opera singer and said, this person knows the song. He pointed to the preacher and said, but this person knows the shepherd. Do you know the song or do you know the shepherd? I love that story. Zechariah 4.6 says, So he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Spiritual truths can only be understood with the help of the Holy Spirit. They cannot be understood by those without the Spirit. God looks upon all of humanity and he doesn't look upon denomination, he doesn't look upon colour of skin, he doesn't look upon the language we speak, he doesn't look upon the nation that we come from. He sees those who have the Spirit and those who don't. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Are you a child of God? The Holy Spirit teaches us. He's the only one who can make the things of Christ real. Otherwise, it's just intellectualism. You can have a professor of a seminary know everything about the Bible but still not grasp it. But you can have a primary school dropout who will be filled with the Holy Spirit. We can't successfully do anything for God unless the Holy Spirit works through us. We can't produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all those fruits of the Holy Spirit in the fullness that that, that need to be happening in our lives. We can't produce those fruits in a godly way except by the Holy Spirit. Just like some people try to work their way into heaven and get merit for themselves. A lot of us get the revelation that all merit is in the sun. But then we get to work and we say to ourselves, I'm going to show God, I'm going to love him, I'm going to show him that I really love him. I'm going to do it. I, I, I see my faults, I, I do, but I'm going to try harder and I'm going to try harder and I'm going to try harder. We can't do it ourselves. Yet we keep saying that I'm going to change my life when God says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will receive my power, my transforming power. His power is so great it can break any habit. His power is so great it created the universe. His power is so great it raised Jesus from the dead. There is nothing in the natural that's too great for our supernatural God. It doesn't matter what habit, it doesn't matter what emotion, it doesn't matter what things bind you, it doesn't matter what things grab you, it doesn't matter. Nothing is too great for our powerful God. Just as I believe that all merit is in the Son, I believe that all power is in the Spirit. 
he makes us more like Christ. He makes us into the people he wants us to be. And it comes through relationship, relationship with Christ through his spirit and therefore relationship with the Holy Spirit. We learn to hear his voice and respond. We learn to see his direction and follow. We learn to sense his prompting and reach out to others. We learn because we grow deeper in relationship with him. John, if we can come forward. Who wants to be more filled with the Holy Spirit? I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day. I want to be immersed in God every day. I want to be that person who walks in his power every day. And that's my cry every day. Oh God, would you fill me? Fill me to overflowing. Fill me so that your light will shine through my life. And I'm prompted to ask today, is there anybody struggling here? Is there something in your life that makes you feel empty or you're running, you're feeling like your, your tanks are empty and you don't know if you can go on too much more? Is there stuff in your life that weighs you down? And you think, oh God, I don't know if I can do it. When I woke up this morning, I said, God, I feel like my, my tank's on empty. I want to stay home in bed because it's raining and it's nice in bed. Do you feel like that sometimes? I do. And I need a fresh infilling and empowering of the Holy Spirit. It's time to open your heart. It's, ne it's never us, it's all of him. And if we're true to our faith, if we're true to the word of God, we will say, Jesus, I surrender it all to you. Fill me so that you might be glorified. Fill me so that I might be able to live your way. If you're feeling that way today and you need a touch of God, I'm just going to ask you to stand right in your place so we can pray together. If you just uh, stand up and... Maybe everybody can stand up. Let's all stand up. Sovereign God. Oh, Holy Spirit, we need you. Matchless King. We need, it. We need endurance. We need filling. Angels we need everything from you today. Oh, before oh Holy Spirit, we open our hearts to you. We need our empty tanks filled. Our struggling emotions we need healed. Our bodies that seemingly are wearing out, we need to be healed. We need your power to be your people in this world to shine your light into a darkness that is so dark. But you have given us a light that pierces all that darkness. You have given us the light of Jesus. Jesus, we surrender to you today. And for those people who are struggling in this place, I'm asking that you would minister to their hearts. Those people who are empty, that you would fill them. Those people who are feeling weak, that you would empower them. We open our hearts to you. Holy Spirit, have your way. We invite you to come and minister to every single heart. We invite you to touch our lives, to change our lives, so that we might be yours.